Hello and welcome to ICEP podcast. In this series, we're talking to industrial ecology and circular economy graduates about their master's thesis. Hello and welcome. My name is Emma Brimdier and today I am talking with Melanie from Austria about her master's thesis. Um, she studied industrial ecology at the University of Graz in Austria. Welcome Melanie. <laughs> Hello, welcome. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and why you picked industrial ecology? Um, yes, sure. So I come from a tiny village in the southeast of Austria. And I studied industrial ecology at the University of Graz, as you already said, and now I'm living and working in Vienna. So why IE? When I decided to go to university, it was kind of hard to pick a study as I was interested in so many things. Just to give you an insight, I went to music high school, which is from 10 to 14 in Austria, just saying. Um, and then I did my A-level in industrial and mechanical engineering. So I had quite a diverse background. But after I gathered a lot of information, I decided that I want to work in a meaningful field, in a job I'm passionate about and where I contribute to a maybe better society and environment at best. Um, sounds a bit cheesy, <laughs> but in the end, I chose an interdisciplinary bachelor in environmental system sciences with the focus on business administration. And I soon realized that I really loved what I was doing and I got especially interested on how one can combine the economy and the environment in a more sustainable way. And although I also like the system science as part of my studies, I decided to not study the consecutive master, but the international master in industrial ecology as, if, as it focused a bit more on topics like circular economy, innovation or eco-management. And I can say that it was really a good choice. I learned a lot. I met a lot of interesting people, also like you, MR, as I spent one semester at Chalmers as well. <laughs> yeah, this was also really great. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the coolest parts actually about industrial ecology is that the people you meet are so interesting and so much fun. And it's, you get to do cool projects like this. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. Also from so many different countries and with so many different backgrounds. So it was always really interesting to listen to these people. So now let's move on to talking about your thesis. Um, and the title of your thesis is actually quite long. Um, it's Carbon Management for Climate Protection, um, Analysis of Greenhouse Gas Emissions of the University of Graz Campus and Campus-Related Gastronomy. Did I say that correctly? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, so to start off, could you tell us a little bit more about the content? Um, yes. So the general purpose of the study and also stated in my research purpose um, is to calculate the greenhouse gas emissions of the University of Graz campus and also campus related gastronomy services. So gastronomy services could be restaurants, but also cafes, food stands or canteens. 
and maybe a bit more to the context. So in general, uh, the University of Graz launched a project called Institutional Carbon Management. So it wants to assess its own greenhouse gas emissions on different fields. Like this could be uh, mobility, this could be uh, resources, this could be stocks. And my thesis was part of this bigger project. So there's a really huge project going on and I contributed to it at least a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I looked at the gastronomy services on the campus and I wanted to know, okay, how many emissions do they produce? and how can we assign that to the University of Graz greenhouse gas emission budget? Um, really cool. <laughs> so then did you work with the university a lot? Uh, yes, I worked with the university, um, most of all with the Vegana Center for Climate and Global Change, um, which is also a really interesting institute at our university but also with my institute, um, which is the Institute of System Sciences, Innovation and Sustainability Research. We really have long names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I collaborated with uh, both of them and I also had two supervisors, one from Vegana Center and one from the CIS Institute. And this was also really helpful um, because the Vegana Center is kind of coordinating this whole project. Um, so I also could ask them, like, how did you do that for uh, mobility, for example? So I kind of already had some starting point um, and I already knew what they kind of want. Yeah, that was really helpful. Yeah. So then you kind of have some kind of template then to base it off of instead of doing something very much for the first time, though I'm sure what the work you were doing was <laughs> still different. Yeah. To yeah. yeah, this was really helpful, especially um, they had it like they already had a tool kind of, um, which I then had to adapt to my specific needs, of course. Um, but yeah, so without it, it would have been um, really hard to start from scratch. Um, but as we also want to combine and compare the emissions, it makes totally sense to use the same method and tools. <laughs> Yes. So what method then did you use to um, find these results? So the method is called greenhouse gas emissions inventory. Um, this was done for the calculations of the emissions. So in general, the emissions were calculated in CO2 equivalents. And the thesis focuses on energy and foodstuffs of the gastronomy services. So the scope is a bit narrow, but because of resource and time constraints, it was not possible to cover all materials um, they purchase, for example. And energy and food was, in our sense, the most important uh, things they consume. So the method itself is quite simple, as it multiplies the activity data of a product, for example, beef in kilogram, with the corresponding emission factor. And the emission factors for energy and food products are based on life cycle assessments and they can be found in literature. So I didn't like come up with the emission factors because this would have been an own thesis. <laughs> so I did some research and I found really good studies about emission factors, especially for food products. There's a really fast body who, who is interested <laughs> um, on these things. So the way harder part 
was to gather the data from the gastronomy services, as I needed, as you can imagine, a lot of data from them. So I wrote a lot of emails and I also visited them in person. Um, I was actually a bit lucky because it was in this in between Corona summer where everyone hoped it's already over. So it was the summer 2020 um, and everyone hoped oh, maybe it's getting better and the restrictions were kind of loose. So the gastronomy was open. Um, so I could also visit them in person. And the gastronomy closed again, of course, <laughs> some months course, later. Yeah. Um, but then I already had my data, so I was really lucky with that. Yeah, it's definitely um, easier to ask people for things yes. than to constantly be emailing them. I, I found that too. Yep. Yes. And I also tried to really um, make it as easy as possible for them to help me. I um, already prepared an Excel file with a template um, which was kind of simple so they can really fill it in and send it to me in hopefully some hours, minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything <yeah>. goes well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the end, it was uh, possible to collect the data from 10 gastronomy services. And this included, as I already said, food stands, cafes, restaurants, and canteens. And for the calculation, I used an Excel-based tool, which I, already mentioned so I had a template but I needed uh, to adjust it to my specific needs for the gastronomy services. Nice so then what were some of your key findings where where were the most carbon emissions coming from? So one really interesting thing which we already kind of thought will come out <laughs> is that there is a significant influence of energy so to say electricity and heating on the total emissions it was quite different um, depending what energy source the gastronomy services used but in some gastronomy services it was even more than 50 percent of the total emissions and wow. also yeah that was quite interesting and Maybe an interesting fact here. So the emission factor for electricity, there is, there's two kinds of electricity, the normal electricity and the certified environmental friendly renewable elect electricity. Um, so this renewable electricity, the emission factor is 10 times lower than for the normal electricity. So therefore, there were some gastronomy services, also the university switched their electricity sources in 2019 to renewable energy. And there's a really like a drop in the emissions, which is really interesting. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And what was also interesting, maybe to food uh, products, there were some really emission intensive products, especially meat and dairy. And they also contributed a lot to the emissions. And this is, of course, also related uh, to the emission factors. So high emission factor means high greenhouse gases in the end, if you also have high amounts of these products, of course. So, for example, the emissions for beef are 30 times higher than for vegetables. So we also had a vegetarian restaurant. And although they also had a lot of kilograms in food, they had way lower emissions because they had no um, meat at all. And yeah, so this is actually quite uh, logical also because of course meat products um, in general uh, need a lot of more steps in the supply chain. So the 
animals need food, they need water, they need space, just so they can grow for slaughter. Of course, this causes more emissions than a carrot. <laughs> yeah, so I also found differences between the categories of gastronomy services. Um, so stands and cafes have, of course, uh, less offers and variety in food products. So the emissions were lower as well. And as I mentioned, also the vegetarian restaurant, um, although being a restaurant with a lot of food products, it had quite similar emissions to a cafe because it has had this high amount of vegetables and low emission intensive uh, products. So of course the emissions for meat restaurants uh, were in comparison way higher. And Overall, um, I also did some possible reduction scenarios and it was found that a switch to renewable energy has the greatest potential in reducing the emissions of gastronomy services. And maybe in total, because I mentioned this whole project of the university, the gastronomy services only contributed a minor part to the overall emissions, because of course the university is a big, um, they have a lot of buildings, they have a lot of people, they have a lot of employees. Um, so my part was kind of a minor contribution. However, I think it was really important to conduct the study for information purposes and also to assess the share of gastronomy services on total emissions of the university. Because only by looking at this holistic picture, um, really, good reduction pathways can be formalized. And that's also the goal of this project in the end, of course, to have uh, a reduction in emissions of the university. Yeah, so it's first off really fascinating to see that energy plays such a big role um, in your results. And also it's so cool that you had an impact on how to reduce emissions at your school. So you've talked about the method that you use and your key findings. Um, and so could you also elaborate a bit on the writing of the thesis itself? Because that's really the other big chunk of, of doing a thesis. Um, yes, sure. Um, as I said, I needed a lot of data. So I also started with collecting um, the data because I thought this will take a lot of time to kind of get in contact with the gastronomy services. And also I had to talk to some owners of them to better understand and to get insights in their business and how they work, which was actually really interesting to see how different the owners manage their gastronomy services despite being in the same sector. Um, so to give an example, some of them had like actual and detailed delivery notes and others could only estimate that they have like five kilograms of beef a week. So I had a I had different <laughs> types of data. And um, so that was also one of my obstacles then in the end, because so I started with all this data and this Excel tool and so on. And the writing was a bit behind then. I did some research at the beginning, of course, um, but I like I read a lot, but I didn't write a lot. So at some point I postponed the writing part even more <laughs> because I knew that it is already um, a lot. And in the end, I wrote my theory part kind of all at once. 
and this was really exhausting as it also took me uh, quite a long time <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah yeah I mean the theory part I, I I wrote like the method and the results I wrote a bit yeah. later but I also had like these background chapters and yeah this was like um, one to two months just for that and I read so many papers and yeah and it was corona and it, it was actually not um, the best time of my life <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah and actually the problem with corona like what what really um, annoyed me was actually that I wasn't able to go to the library um, because I really loved being in libraries and being surrounded by other hardworking people. So I had to stay at home and I also really missed the exchange with others and also maybe the comparison with others because then it's way easier to see, okay, others have these problems as well. <laughs> yeah. I would agree with you. I think that's what I missed the most. I missed like sitting next to other people and doing research and being like, oh my God, I have no idea how to handle this. What are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah. tell me about your project so that I can get inspiration from your project. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing was that I knew some other people um, also writing their thesis at the time. So I had some study sessions on Skype. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we just had like the camera on, but the tone off and we saw each other like in a tiny window in the laptop. We saw each other working. <laughs> oh, nice. This was really helpful. So that's yeah. also a tip. So if Corona is going on, like you need um, some sessions on Skype. <laughs> just so you can see somebody else working to remind you that you probably also should be working. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I totally feel you on that. Um, so kind of not going back and thinking more holistically and as a reflection, um, point of view, how did you come up with this topic? Was it an option or did you approach the school or? Um, this is actually not really an interesting story because I saw, um, that the Institute was searching for someone, um, to be part of this project and, they first uh, wrote it out, I think, in May, but then I was still in my semester in Chalmers. So I thought, okay, I won't uh, write them because that's too early. But then I sent it out again in August. And I think, no, I don't know, nobody applied because it was Corona and everyone was like, uh, okay, <laughs> not really sure if I want to do this project. Um, so I applied and yeah, they said yes. So I started. <laughs> <laughs> and it obviously worked out so it obviously worked out yes yeah. and then do you know what's happening with the paper or not your paper but um your data now is it being used or um yes it's already used so um my uh thesis is already published as a vegan Center report and there is also another report and also two to three other papers about the uh, project in general and my date there is part of this project of course. As with every thesis I think there are always some obstacles that you have to overcome. Um, so what was especially challenging for you with this thesis? thesis? Um, yeah as I already mentioned one thing was this postponing of the theory part. This was not really clever. <laughs> Um, so this was quite hard to then, um, because 
my problem or problem, my style of writing is that I really need to dig into something. So if I just have one or two hours, I don't start writing because I kind of need to have at least four hours to really get into the topic and then really write like three pages at once. Um, so this was also an obstacle kind of because if there are any other things on the day, I can kind of got distracted. So if I had like one appointment in the afternoon, I could only write in the morning. This, yeah, I mean, maybe I could have forced myself, um, but the outcome is way better if I have more time. Yes. So yeah. I try to kind of do the formatting things in the afternoon, for example. So yeah, so the writing uh, was kind of an obstacle. And of course, uh, data collection, um, as I mentioned, because always when you need something from someone, <laughs> uh, it's getting a bit harder. Um, but I was happy that I just needed um, like data, like something in kilograms and in kilowatt hours. And I like these way more than doing interviews, for example. That's, that's just more my style uh, of research. So I was really happy of doing something quantitative. So when I had the data, I was quite fast with filling them in my tool and get the results. Nice. Um, I think that all three of us so far, you, Tyne, and I all mentioned writing and the fact that we should have started writing pieces sooner. So I really hope that everybody who's listening to this and, <laughs> and all of the, the students um, are taking our insights <laughs> and hopefully starting a bit earlier with their writing. Um, yeah. So do you have any other recommendations to somebody that is just starting their thesis? Yeah, so my first one is, as I already said, like never read anything without taking notes somewhere. <laughs> That's so important um, because it, especially at the beginning, you, you think that you just want to get an overview. So you just read some abstracts. No, <laughs> write it down, write it down somewhere and make notes if it's good or bad. Like in the end, I really try to have grades like in our schooling system is one to five and one is actually best and five is worst. So I try to give them a grade on the quality of the paper and how helpful it is for me. And that really helped because then when I needed like some more information, I only used the good papers, of course. Um, yeah. So no matter if the paper is good or bad, write that down somewhere so you don't have to read it again. And if it's bad, uh, you can maybe save it in another folder, for example, but don't delete it because then you don't know that you read it. <laughs> because you will read so many papers um, and at one point you're totally uh, confused and it's really hard to keep an overview. And another recommendation is to really talk with other people also about your thesis, because it really helps you to exchange thoughts with others. Also, maybe try to explain it to your family or people who are not into the topic at all, because the general and rather simple questions help you to stay focused on the topic itself and not to lose yourself in the details. That is some fantastic advice. <laughs> I also really like that last one because I think it does make such a difference when you start talking to other people because then they start questioning you and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should think about it that way or oh, I need yeah. to figure out how to describe this better. And then you 
All right, thank you so much, Melanie, for that really fascinating talk about greenhouse gas emissions inventory in Austria. Um, and thank you for our listeners also for listening to our wonderful ISA podcast. <laughs>